Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You should celebrate yourself every day. But some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection. Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we're doing class number two of our NFL financial literacy web series. I got my man Sean in the house and my man CJ Smith in the house. Fellas, welcome. Hey, bro. What's going on? I'm good. CJ, what's good? Man, nothing much. Man, thank you for having me. Yo, fellas, you guys are doing this NFL financial literacy literacy web series this is class number two. First off tell the, the listeners about this whole series sean why don't you start us off why is this important um we just saw the need you know speaking to cj that you know some of his former teammates and current players in the nfl you know lack financial literacy and just because you're making a lot of money doesn't need doesn't automatically mean you know how to manage money so we just said you know let's try to do what we can to you know to help address this concern CJ, how, how you you were there, and we're about to play it for for our listeners. How did you think it went? What do you think about the whole seminar? I think it it went great, and it's going great. Um, something that I wish I had when I was playing. Um, making making a lot of money doesn't mean much if you don't know how to maintain it or you don't know how to grow it. Sean, any particular takeaways or, or things that you ha- want to highlight for people to look out for in this particular class? Um, I think basically the purpose why we're even putting it on our podcast stream, just that I think there's so many learnings that everybody can take from. Um, it is interesting to know how much these players are actually grasping to the information, how much they want more. I think class two, class one was more about just kind of laying the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. But class two, we kind of rolled up our sleeves and got to work. And it's amazing to see what's happening. You know, I'm sure CJ can, uh, can agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, class two, um, we dug a little more into credit and you can see it was eye-opening for the per- uh, the players. They had a lot of questions um, and it was fun. It was nice to hear Sean uh, talk about credit in the way that he does and how he, how he uses it, how he leverages it and things like that. Well, for our, our regular listeners out there, I know a lot of you aren't NFL football players. You're not professional athletes, but hey, these principles can be applied to your life in no matter what walk you're in, financial principles and financial literacy. These are universal principles. So I think you'll find it interesting. Plus, 
these guys live a very unique lifestyle. So it's also interesting just to hear about their walk as professional athletes. So I think without further ado, Sean, you got anything, any last words before we jump into class number two? Get your pen and pad out and take notes. There's a lot of information being passed. All right. Well, let's do it. Thank you, CJ, Sean, everyone. Check out class number two of Two Black Guys with Good Credits NFL Financial Literacy Web Series. Check it out. Well, welcome back. Thank you guys for coming back for, for week two. Um, today, I want to get uh, more deeper into credit. And uh, I don't know everybody's level of understanding of credit. So I figure it's best just to start with the basics. And then if you guys say that, well, we know this stuff already, then we can dig a little deeper. But I think having the basic understanding of how to use credit, how to leverage credit, because in any wealth building process that you try to undermine and take credit, credit is an important part of it. Like you need to establish, you need to know how to leverage it. You need to know how to make it work in your best interest. And it just gives you um, more access to capital and which to grow. You know, I started out, you know, really leveraging credit and, you know, just my my personal plan is, you know, with I have three boys is that is I would love to, to create my generational wealth. I'm not so focused on how much cash I'm leaving for my children. I'm more concerned about, you know, what properties I'm leaving for them and what investments. And one of the things I would love to do is pay off all my mortgages and give them to their give them these properties debt free and create a trust fund for them so they can just live off the rental income and you know use that to live whatever lifestyle they want to live they may not actually want to be in real estate they may want to join a band they may want to you know open up an art store become a police officer play football whatever but they'll know that you know generations to follow will have these properties that i leave behind for them um debt free so now i'm in the game of not necessarily trying to acquire more debt but if i am being really strategic about it but credit helped me get to this position so it's important that for any type of investment that you do and anything you're trying to do, you really understand how to leverage and make credit work. If you know the credit game in this country, you can get, you can reach extreme levels when it comes to making money and building wealth. Those that play it well, know do very well with it. So I thought I would, you know, we, Jeff and I always lay the foundations out of credit. So once again, if, um, if you find that this is something that you already know, then just, just let me know. We can just kind of move a little quicker. So let's go to the next slide. So this is my personal slide. And, you know, to me, it encompasses what, you know, why you guys grind it out on the field, why, what financial literacy is all about. It's really like possession, these set of skills that allow you to do what you choose to do to what you choose to do, how you choose to live. So for me, this is like my personal thing. You know, I love real estate. You see, I love hanging out with my kids. I love teaching, giving back. I like working out. I like doing a little bit of yoga and I like relaxing. So I use these things to kind of drive my initiatives for and like, okay, what am I working on? What am I trying to achieve that's gonna help me get to this lifestyle that I wanna live and help me allow me to live in the, and choose the way in which I want to live. So that's what you should be thinking about with your investments. You know, that's part of me why sometimes I love intangible investments and I know CJ does as well, obviously by his post that it's more of a feel thing, you know, it can really, really helps, you know, drive the way in which you, you choose to live. So when you're thinking about your investments and what you're trying to do, you should kind of take that mindset into like getting back to doing what you love and figuring out how to leverage that and monetize that. Um, so let's go to the next slide. Credit, um, simple definition. It's the ability to obtain goods or service before payment based on the trust of the payment will be made in the future. So how powerful is that statement? 
meaning that you know you can borrow somebody can say hey I'm going to give you, let's just stick with materialistic things. I'm going to give you this cell phone and then you don't have to pay me anything for 30 days. You know, if I'm smart, maybe I can leverage this cell phone to generate income. And then within 30 days, if I can pay it back, I'm using other people's money to make money. Does that make sense? And that's kind of where the mindset that you have to pay, like it's even called things where you're, you know, you're stretching your receivable, you're stretching your receivables, you're stretching your payment so that the longer you can stretch it out, the more money I can make. You know, it's even in the game of football contracts, they may give you guys upfront cash and may pay you along the way, but they may stretch your payable to you as your, as their expense so they can kind of get the receivable in first and then pay you later and credit, you know, allows you the ability to do that. Like, let me give an example when it comes to real estate. You know, when I was early on in my 30s and in my late 20s, when I was aggressively buying real estate, I wasn't worried about like having money per se sometimes for renovation costs. You know, I'd get, I'd buy buildings that like look, that required like cosmetic work because my mind was, and I was going like, I've always tried to buy in you know, I would say neighborhoods sometimes that they don't expect us to buy in. You know, I didn't always want to go the route where everybody expects us to buy and expects us to move into. I always wanted to push the envelope and, you know, be in neighborhoods where, you know, where they give me a look like, how are you here? Why are you here? Kind of thing. So they, they always came with a heavy price tag. So I would really just be scraping up the money to buy the building. And then my goal was um, that I would do light surface fixing of it and just try to get it rented. And, but with, when I'm getting it rented, I'm giving them like a move-in date. Maybe I push it back two to three weeks, but they would give me a down payment per se. They would say, okay, I'm going to rent this apartment from you. Um, and we're going to pay you in like the next 30 days or whatever. And the money that I'd be using to do the renovations, I would have, what well, we're going to get to it later would be like zero interest credit cards. So meaning that um, anybody know what a zero interest credit card is? Does anybody know? Sure. Uh, Chris? No. So these are like, depending on where your credit is at, they're called like teaser cards, teaser rates. So like American Express, MasterCard, Visa are always vying for each other's business. So they'll give out promotional things. And I think I have one right here. So look, can everybody see this? Does everybody see it clearly? Are you guys seeing it? Where's my camera? Can everybody see that? Yeah. So it says, for those that can't see it, it says 0% intro APR for 18 months. So what is that? You're going to pay anything for 18 months. Right. So what does that mean in simple terms? That's an interest-free loan, right? That's free money that you can leverage and use. And I've worked on Wall Street. Guys I know used to like take these. They, they also, if I open this up, there'll probably be like checks in here as well. Let me open it. So you can balance transfer the balance off. So this one have checks. Now this one just has a code, but some of them will have like checks with them where you can like write a check out to your old credit card. And some people would write a check and deposit it right into their account. And that's access to cash that they can use. And if you leverage that cash proper, um, properly, you can, it is so powerful. So what I would do, I would use zero interest to do my home renovations. 
So I would use this money that I'm getting as credit, free credit to renovate the apartments, all right? I would also get Home Depot, Lowe's credit cards where they offer 0% interest over a specific period of time. And I'd put all the materials and stuff like that on the credit card. And then in my mind, well, the hustle mentality is now, I have this apartment, I'm trying to get it rented. And when I do get it rented, I'm using the money that I get from the rental income to pay off these cards. And for this card within 18 months, because it's 0% interest for 18 months. So at the end of the day, who paid for the renovation of the apartment? Did I pay for it? Who paid for it, Blake? The tenants. The tenant paid for it. Did I use my money? None. Correct. So the only thing that I'm using my money for, hold on a second. Ethan, can you answer the door, please? The only thing that I'm using my money for is a simple down payment, right? Where is the rest of the money coming from to buy the house? If I have to put 10% down on a million-dollar property, that's $100,000, right? So where is the rest of the money coming from? The loan or the bank, whoever's the bank. giving the loan. The bank. So once again, so the bank is my other partner. And the better my credit is, the better terms I get. And that's why I always say the bank is not a bad partner because the bank, as a partner, his terms are simple. You meet my demand of my monthly payment that I'm asking for, and I leave you alone. Like, for example, when I first started buying real estate, I had investors for some big projects, and I'd have to pay them like 10, 12% return, depending on what, you know, how much they were putting in. But now people are coming to me, hey, do you have any buildings, Sean? We want to invest. And I'm like, the bank is only charging me 3%, you know, on a mortgage, 4%. You know, investors are going to want more money. You know, investors are going to be calling me every minute asking me, how are we doing? How's everything looking? How am I doing? How can I do? How can I that? When all I got to do is the bank is meet that commitment. So for me to take on investors right now, I'm not really that interested. I'd rather just work through the banks because the rates are favorable because I've maintained a good credit that I can, you know, I can get the ass that I need. I can get all I got to do is find a down payment. So credit becomes a valuable partner in your growth regardless of how much money you make trying to do things all cash and no credit limits your growth stunts your growth you have to leverage what you have as you know i always looked at the money i made from real estate i never tried to really use it I, that's why i got into my shipping business because that's what i wanted to pay my bills i really wanted real estate to be like my monopoly money where i'm using it to keep me in the game you know i'm just trying to stay this is my money to keep me in the game. So no matter how much money I had in the bank, real estate wise, 100,000, 500,000, I never looked at it as my money. I just looked at it as monopoly money to keep me in the game, to keep me acquiring assets, to get me, to keep me getting approved for mortgages. And when you guys are playing football, you have to leverage your current income, your current stability, and you have to pitch it that you can leverage that to acquire assets. At your age, you just want to focus on acquiring and leveraging credit to do that. Um, so there's two typical kinds of forms of loans, okay? There can be credit cards, um, installment credit, and open credit, okay? So there are, credit, there are two forms of loans and credit cards, not including charge cards, all right? So you can have an installment loan or an open loan. And so does anybody know what an installment loan is? <coughs> so installments are like pre-negotiated terms, meaning that you know, you applied for a mortgage. They said you're going to have to pay X amount of money every month for the next 30 years. That's a fixed rate. It's an installment loan. And it's an, you know every month how much you have to pay. 
how revolving loan is like a credit card where the balance can fluctuate and change every month, right? So when I talked about last week in business, it's how well you manage risk. So think about it from a bank's perspective. Where do you think they charge a higher fee on which kind of loan? Would it be on a revolving loan or would it be an installment loan? Revolving. Revolving? Revolving? Yeah. Yeah, and how so? Why so? I don't know. Because it's a more riskier proposition for the bank. They're more exposure, right? You're, it's, it's, so the banks charge you more. So if you have a lot of debt, and this is why people find themselves in a lot of problems, they have a lot of their debt on revolving loans, on credit cards, high interest rates. That's when they fall themselves into problems and fall into credit problems and they wind up going bankrupt because they have all this debt on this revolving type of credit where the rates can be loan shark rates, up to 30%, I've seen them, 20% on the balance, and you never feel like you're paying it off. So this is where people fall into problems. And, and this is so accessible. You go out with your friends, you put it on your credit card. You go here, you put it on your credit card. You take a trip, you put it on your credit card. You live through this card, and then you can't afford to pay it. And you find yourself in problems. And a lot of times, it's kind of debt that's not, you know, that you can't account for. So, you know, I always say, and you can move from revolving to installment loan. They're called loan consolidations. If you're in that position now, where you have a lot of money on your credit cards, and you're finding it hard to pay it off, you can do what they call a debt consolidation, meaning you can put all your debt and you can put it on a fixed loan, personal loan, where you have a fixed payment you're making every month versus having these high credit card bills that you're paying. All right. A lot of rich people do it. A lot of wealthy people do it where they do debt consolidations. And you can even have like put a little cushion in the middle, which I would uh, recommend if your credit is good, you can apply for a zero interest credit card. That's no interest that you're going to pay. And all you have to do is make those monthly payments and know that they're, they're called teaser rates. So they're, they're not going to be long. They could be 12 months, six months, 18 months, 24 months, however long it is. But during that period of time, you're paying no interest. And if you owe like, I don't know, let's make my math simple. If you owe $6,000 and you have a six month interest-free loan, how much should you be paying every month to make sure you pay it off within that six months? thousand dollars a thousand dollars correct a thousand dollars you pay it off you know the game is and you know when i get my statements i'm not giving the bank nothing as much little as i can yes i give them interest for my mortgages but then i look at it i don't pay that interest my tenants pay that interest but as far as credit cards and all that kind of stuff no i pay it all in full every month you know and if and there has been months like you know when i was young and i was aggressive where I would like, I can't make that monthly payment, but I know it's coming. So what I would do, I'd, I'd apply online for a zero interest credit card before the payment is due, I would transfer it over to one of those cards because my hustle was, I'm not giving them any interest payment. That's my discipline. That's my discipline. And America gives you many different types of options to find your way out of it if you're just being more, if you're on top of it, okay? Everybody with me so far? And this is all understanding credit and having that wealth mindset. And it's beginning mm -hmm. to understanding using other people's money to work for you. You're using the bank's money, using your tenant's money. You're trying, the game is your money is your money. You have to protect it. If your base salary is a million dollars playing football, by the end of a year, you want to protect that money. You want to leverage it. You know what I mean? You don't want to use it unless you have to. That's your money. That's your money. You protect that. 
and you leverage off your investments to grow yourself. Every time you got to spend big money on your money that you had to earn on that field, that's where you're going to feel, I got to find a way to get this back. I got to work on investments that's going to get me back this money I just spent. Because what I make, what I earn is my money and I'm using it to leverage to gain other money and access. If people want to partner with you and you know they want to partner with you because you're a football player, because you have access, there's a cost to that. Simple. I don't care if they're your friends. You got you to decipher a business from friends. You got to go to meetings and understand what is my leverage point? What am I taking to the table versus what they're taking to the table? And what can I leverage to protect my money? And hey, where Sean, am I, I just going to penetrate to... and leverage credit to grow my uh, base? Go ahead. I just want to add that you, also, you have to also look at whether the debt is secured debt or unsecured debt. A mortgage is a secured debt, okay? And, um, you know, you don't pay the mortgage, they take the house, which is your security. But a credit card is unsecured. You don't pay the credit card, you file bankruptcy, well, the banks uh, just lose out because you're not paying them back. You just have a, a big uh, red mark on your credit report. So you look at, you know, when your score goes up, the higher your, um, the more money you're given as unsecured debt. So people would be willing to give you more money to take out loans or to utilize their money without security or anything to back it. And that's the value, that's another value of having a higher score as you, as you utilize the system and you know, go out and start investing. Yeah, Sean. And you know, and the, and the simple rule is you're young. Like you know, my American Express card, if I showed it to you, says I've been a member since 2001. So that long-term relationship I've had with American Express gives me a ton of leverage. Like, you know, I don't have a pre-spending limit. I have access to a lot of things. I'm able to use my money in many different ways with them. You know, of anything I need to. So you want to build that history. You want to show that discipline that you are dependable, you pay back and you meet your loans. And that opens up more doors. and gives you more access to credit. It gives you more access to growth. So, yes, sir. This is Jacques was talking. Um, so. Thank you for interrupting I, me. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question because um yeah so so say you know you was talking about the zero percent interest credit cards you know you uh -huh. like say the eighteen month and uh -huh. uh, it's been like you know widely said like you know you should always pay your credit cards at the you know before the end of each month you know so with the zero percent interest or uh, credit cards is that even a, is that an important thing to do because yeah you know, because they the have like you have to meet a minimum payment. Yeah. In order to keep the 18 months active. So that's why I said, you know, you want to spread it out on how much your balance you're owed. But you don't want to like you don't want to look pay the minimums in anything because, you know, there's a word I love to lose when I teach. It's called desperate. You know, yeah. it's like the girl that's running to every guy at the club. I'm sure you guys have experienced it. You know, nobody wants to take her home because she looks desperate. <laughs> so with the banks, they kind of have the same mindset. If you're looking desperate, if you're just making minimum payments, banks do not take risk. OK, they do not take risk. So they're watching how you're making your payments, how much payments you're making. And if you're making little payments, you're just making minimum payments, they're not going to want to mess with you. So you have to show like, you have to kind of bloat your chest and act like I got it. You know, I can play above and beyond and I got this and I just need access to do this one deal. Or I need to do that. That's kind of, you have to have the sense of arrogance when you speak to banks and let them know that you're in a position of, you're in the position. Banks and lawyers and all that make you feel that they're in the position of power, but really you're in the position of power. Banks are in the business of lending money. 
but they're to just pick who and what they lend it to, you know, and the difference between someone with good credit and bad credit in the country, you can have horrible credit and get a mortgage. You can have horrible credit and get a loan. You can have horrible credit and get a credit card, but you're not going to have the same benefits as somebody that has great credit. Like by me having great credit, I get great terms and I demand great terms. I don't ask, I demand it. You know, when I go in and I lease a car, I kind of tell them what I'm going to pay, you know, within reason. I say, run my credit score, look at my history. I don't, I negotiate with a sense of arrogance because I demand it. I have 20 years of credit history. I have excellent credit. I have funds to back it up. If you want to do business with me, here is the deal. And you have to kind of have that kind of swagger in which banks and businesses are going to take you seriously. Like if not, they're going to, you're going to get like, you're going to get taken over when it comes to rates and terms and so forth. Even with lawyers, I negotiate with lawyers, like lawyers like to charge by the hour. You know, I work the relationship by the end of the day, we're not doing this hourly wage thing because I can't account for your hours. We're going to get to the point where we're going to get more of a fee-based system going here so I can account for what you're doing. And, you know, through that relationship, it works. You know, let's go to the next slide. And, you know, stop me if you think I'm going too much in theory and not as much in practical stuff. If you find, like, you know, I'm talking too much theory and I'm not really understanding how I can use it, because that's the, not the point of this class. I really want you guys to, to get more practical knowledge than theory. So just do you think it's too much theory or it's, it's practical? Blake? I'm doing good, Sean. Huh? You guys are good? Yeah. Chris, you're good? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you go ahead. Okay, so let's let's get into understanding credit. You know, this is just like, you know, and I don't want to keep throwing the football analogies, but you know, I, I'm just trying to make sure you guys relate and understand it because I don't like when people throw a lot of sports analogies at me, but you know, I'm just trying to make it relatable so you understand. Within the world I'll of take credit, this one, Sean. I'll take within this one the world of credit, there's like um there's credit credit score and there's um there's people that collect information and they're separate independent companies. There are three main credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And what they do, they collect data. They just collect information. Every time you spend, every time you use something, it's going to report. Anytime you've kind of submitted your tax ID, there's a potential that it's going to be reported to one of these three credit bureaus, if not all three. All right, and their job is just to collect, collect data. And sometimes that information may not be correct, but it's not their job to figure out if it's right or wrong. It's your job to figure out if they got it right, if they got it wrong. Because a lot of times stuff's gonna come on your credit report that's not true. And it's your job to go and figure it out and you can pay somebody to do it, but I'll be honest with you, you could do it yourself. Because what they're gonna do is exactly what I would tell you to do. You look at, where the information is from, if it's from Equifax, TransUnion, Experian, whoever's reporting it incorrectly, you provide the supporting data. They said you missed three payments on a credit card, but you really didn't miss them. You show them that you didn't miss the payments. You fax it over to them. You email it over to them, and they correct it. Somebody's going to charge you to do something like that when you can correct it yourself. And I'd always say when you're applying for a mortgage, when you're applying for a loan, you should already know your credit score before you go in to apply. You don't want surprises. You don't want to be at the table sitting across from somebody negotiating a deal and something comes up that you weren't aware about. That's not a prepared businessman. You have to already understand what's happening, what you're coming in with. And sometimes it's good to put it out on the table, put it right on the table. Here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what can you do for me? Like to me, when I'm looking at properties and I'm looking to buy something, I call a number of banks and brokers 
and I tell them the deal. Here's what my credit score is. Here's what I'm looking to put down. What can you do for me? Some tell me, hell no, Sean, we can't work with you. Some say, okay, here's what we can do. Here's, and I go, what's your rate? What's your terms? Before they run my credit, before I sign something, I'm already kind of negotiating a deal sheet because you're not running my stuff. You're not running my credit. I'm not committing to anything until I see your hand. You have to tell me what your deal is, what you're presenting to me, and then I know if I can work with that. Then we can start getting into the nitty gritty of it, but you can give them high level information and then start the negotiating. And it all starts with your credit and understanding. And there's freecreditreport.com. There's so many different websites. Through your credit card, you can pull your credit to know actively what your credit score is, what it is, where it stands, and how you can leverage it. And you know, getting, I know, Chris, were you the one recently just bought a property in Orlando? Was it you that bought it? That's it last week? Yeah. Right. So I bought like, one time I bought three properties around the same exact time because I know that the right hand, the left hand, they couldn't, they weren't able to see everything that's happening at once. And I closed within all within one week. I had, I bought three properties because it was just strategically, it made me able to leverage how much money I had in the bank. You understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Instead of like, if I were to try to buy them at different times, the banks when they be like, well, you can't afford to buy these because you already bought two, you already bought one. But buying them all at the same time to the different independent banks that I use, it looked like it was just that pool of money was just being used for that one property, if that makes sense. And this is understanding that I meant. Like if you want to be aggressive in your market, you see opportunities, you got to figure out, okay, what's the best way, plan of attack? And the best plan of attack maybe even to buy maybe a number of them at one time. Maybe to show the bank you buy one and then you try to get a commitment down the road to buy more, but it's figured out how am I going to go deeper with this investment, right? So back to credit. Credit really starts the game. It shows that you're responsible. Even if your credit is not so good, doesn't mean you're not going to be able to get approved for something. It means you're going to not get the best terms. And with business, you want to get the best terms. You want to get the best deal. You want to put yourself in a position to get the best deal. Like tier one top credit deals are great deals, you know, great deals. Like I have on a, on a commercial building, I'm paying like three and a half percent interest on one property, you know, no under four. I refinanced on like three of my properties. I refinanced them out into interest rates under 4%. That's great. In my opinion, maybe it's better now. I did it like six months ago, maybe even in the 2% range now, but that's to me, that's like almost 0% interest. Had I had like a, a bad credit, I wouldn't have access. To, I get like, invest i get loan shark people calling me all day because they search and see who owns properties and like short-term investors and one guy called me up last week he can get me access to how much money i need and the first question i asked what's the rate on your what's the interest rate you're charging oh we get you in anywhere from eight and a half to nine percent i'm like really <laughs> when i can go to a traditional bank and get a rate of three percent why would i do that well not everybody's in that position so you have to put yourself in that position you know in business when it comes to real estate the traditional banks have the best deals. They really do. The Chase, the Bank of America, the Washington, um, the TD banks, they all have the great rates. The secondary banks, they don't have the greatest rates, but they have the easier terms, easier to access, easier to get to their money. You know, the tier one banks, they're a lot more difficult, a lot more paperwork, but when you get through with them, you get the best deals. Tier two banks, not as much paperwork, but not as great deals. And there's even tier three banks that horrible rates, 
sign this dotted line, we'll give you the money. And you really gotta, you know, protect your interests and understand like your money is your money and you have to really strive to get break to that tier one. A lot of people I know, especially people I know of color, very few of us get mortgages from tier one banks. We more like, well, a friend will tell us about this bank or tell us about that bank or this lending person. And we're getting the mortgages, but we're not getting the best deals, the most favorable deals that are out there in the market. And that's what you have to be aggressive and strive to get because that gives you a lot more growth potential. It gives you a lot more ability to acquire. And those banks, once you're in with them and you do good business with them, they open their door and they allow you to do more, allow you to go deeper, allow you to give you better terms than what, you're, what you currently get. Um, so your FICO score, if you don't know, your credit score ranges from 300 to 850. You know, hence why we call Mr. 850, 850, because he has a perfect credit score, which is very rare, rare. So, you know, I always congratulate him for being that, for doing that, because it's a very rare thing to have. You know, I don't have it. My right credit score, to be quite honest, fluctuates between, you know, 790 and 810, somewhere between there, depending on, you know, how exposed I am in a given month. But anywhere between then, it, it fluctuates. Um, so we have... The FICO score is different from the credit bureaus, okay? The FICO score is the one that calculates your credit score. And then anybody tells you that, oh, if you do X, Y, Z, your score is going to jump 28 points. Or if you do X, Y, Z, your score could drop 38 points. They don't know what they're talking about. The Fair Isaac score is like the secret, is like the sauce to the Big Mac. Um, this is how they make their money. They sell this score. They'll tell you things that can help your credit score go up, that can help your credit score go down but they're not going to tell you do X, Y, Z, and here's how much your score goes up. They're not going to tell you the secret to their sauce. This is how they make their money. They sell that score to these credit bureaus, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian. They sell that score to you online. You can buy it, right? So you have to understand that there are things that they can suggest that you do, which will help increase your credit score, but nobody can tell you if you do X, Y, Z, your score is going to go up X amount. And the best advice I can tell you you know, to reach your credit, to increase your credit score is to pay on time, to keep your debt to a minimum, you know, pay in full. Those are all the things that look good and favorable on your credit report, you know, and it's a long-term play. You know, people that say, oh, you know, quick fix, let's fix my credit score. Let You can take, you can remove something that's negative and not true on your credit report, but you can't remove something that's negative and true on your credit report. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, your football history. If you had an injury from three years ago, teams are going to know about that. You know, even if your leg is 100% and you've, you've proven it and tested, but you blew, you, you blew your Achilles three years ago, it's going to be part of your history. Eventually, it will go away if you keep producing and outperforming and people are like, wow, he's, he's outperforming, he's making all these records and you can't even believe he hurt his Achilles three years ago. Eventually, people won't be talking about it like that. The same thing with credit. If you missed a couple of payments, and then eventually over the next four years, you keep making your payments on time, you're paying in full. Eventually people aren't going to stop talking about that. Eventually your credit score is going to go up, but it will be there. But with people that tell you that, you know, they can remove something for you that's negative and true about your credit score, you need to run far from those people because those people are trying to scam you. Makes sense. Speaking too fast. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Like I, um, I always see like people say like, well, typically in like the lower income neighborhoods and obviously like, it was like, uh, well, we can fix your credit score. You know, uh, all you gotta do is pay this amount and we can take these things off your credit. And 
I always just wonder because, you know, um, I feel like a lot of people put themselves in that situation where they just, they just do a lot of things, mess up their credit, and they just try to go to one of those people that say, I can fix your credit, and it just does, it doesn't even do anything, really. Exactly. So what's, how do you feel about that? It's it, Well, what you cannot remove something negative, that's true, it's a report card. And a lot of times people are creating fake tax IDs and giving them new <laughs> credit lines to give them good credit. They're doing a yeah. lot of, like they're creating LLCs or, you know, corporations and getting tax IDs and telling them to use this tax ID as their new credit, as their new tax ID, things that are illegitimate. And even like in the games of real estate, a lot of scams that happen in real estate, people be like, you know, especially in lower income neighborhoods, people that have good credit. So taking a guy came into my store, I had to curse him out. I'd be like, yo, get out of my store, bro, before something happens to you. I mean, he came into my store with his fancy suit and business card. And he was like, um, we help people get mortgages. We help people buy properties. And at the end of the day, what his hustle was, he was trying to find people in lower income neighborhoods, which is a lot of us that have good credit, you know, that are just working their nine to five, paying their bills. And he would use their credit to acquire things, acquire real estate, and then dump the mortgage on them and pull out the equity. And the companies that were backing him, I was like, tell me, let's Google them. Let's look them up. And they were all like these bogus companies. And I've seen personal friends that, you know, are so wanting to own a home, piece of American pie. And to get caught up in lending their credit out, you know, and buying something with nothing down and then getting it like where it's, you know, where they've, where the, what they'll do, they'll sell it to them for above, like they'll get, you know, everybody will be in on the scam. The bank, there'll be some tier two, tier three bank will be in on it. The appraiser will be in on it. So they'll over appraise the property, make it approved for more than what it's worth. So a $200,000 property will get a $300,000 mortgage on it, leave the mortgage on you, pull out the money. Maybe they only owe a hundred thousand on the property, whatever. Pull out the two hundred thousand, share it amongst themselves, give you the property at zero down. You feel good because you put no money in it, but then you're stuck with this property that's upside down. And then maybe over time you can't afford to make those payments anymore, and then your credit gets screwed. And a lot of them they'll build a facade. You'll go in and you'll see it, and it'll look good because they just sheetrock it and put a couple things in and put this fake Home Depot kitchen in there and made it look nicer than what it is. But the bare bolt, bolt the the, the stomach, the heart of the building is trash. But you as a first time buyer, you don't know that you just see, you just see this building that looks nice and you look like great. I don't have to pay anything for it. They'll tell you, yeah, you don't have to give us any money. And then you're stuck with this dead property that's upside down. So these are things you have to be aware of, you know? And some lending institutions, they don't use a fair Isaac credit score. They derive their own um, credit score and it may have a different range, but overall the credit score range is between 300 and 850. And all you want to do is be in tier one. Okay, yes. Mr. 850 has an 850 credit score, which is phenomenal. But we get the same offers because I'm in tier one, he's in tier one. And the tier one, tiers, you know, change over time. You know, during when the market, when, when money is free, right now money is open, money is out there, money is free. You should be grabbing mortgages, you should be refinancing, you should be doing as much as you can. You should be aggressively buying and investing because money is free. You don't really, you guys are young, so you don't understand the time that we're in. But Jeff can, I'm sure, can relate when interest rates were like 12% on mortgages. You know, I was around when interest rates were like 8%. Now they're like yeah. 3%. So yeah. money is yeah. free right now. You guys should be acquiring assets right now. Being strategic, yeah. but like being like grabbing as much as you can because money is cheap. Money is cheap. Get loans, get mortgages right now. Money is cheap. Grow your base right now. What CJ is doing right now, perfect timing for what he's doing right now because money is cheap. Money is accessible. There's going to be when they tighten it up. When they tighten it up, that's when they lower the credit score ranges. So Tier one credit may go from 800 to 850. So I'd be, I'd be pushed out some months. 
where I would be getting the best deals and I got to fight to get in there. But right now they've opened it up. So tier one is maybe between 780 and 850. Tier two, maybe between 680 and 780. And these all mean, you know, what terms and what deals am I going to get? And the first thing they try to discriminate us on people of color is our credit. You can't give them that reason. That's when it gives them the, re the reason to say, you can't move into this building, you can't buy this property. It's not about your color of your skin anymore, it's about your credit score. That's the first reason to say it. We don't have good credit, you don't have good, you don't have good credit? Oh man, you don't, oh, man, you suck, you don't have good credit. If you had good credit, <laughs> yo, you could have had this, you could have had that. So that's their first reason to say no. And Sean, can I make a quick point? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that Sean is saying, and I, and I wholly agree, is like, you know, I, I'm a person, I'm not a car guy. So, you know, when I do real estate, I lug a lot of different stuff around. So I had a Mazda and um, I had the Mazda um, wagon. And, and I, I've tried to drive this thing too. The wheels fell off. And actually the steering wheel was about to come off when I was coming back from a property upstate and the wife didn't notice it, but I knew it. And I said, you know, I think I better get another car. And I looked at her and I said, look, find a dealership. I'm going to buy you a car right now. So she didn't want to, you know, discourage me. So she said, okay, let me see if you really mean it. And we drove it to a lot. The guy saw what I was driving. <laughs> you know, you've been driving for three or four hours. You don't look the best. So he first, first impression is, he got me. Here comes a desperate man. He doesn't look wealthy. He probably has horrible credit. And I walked in there and I knew what the game was. And now he's promising me all kind of offers that he can do for me thinking I don't qualify. Hmm. And once, <laughs> once he said, you can, you can get these deals, but you need to have good credit. I said, well, listen, just run, run everything since this is what we're going to pay. And um, on the way, we picked out the, a, a car and we're, we're driving off the lot and my wife turns to me. She says, um, how much money did you give this guy? I said, honey, I didn't give him any money. She says, wait a minute, you drove a car off the lot and you didn't, you didn't give him any money. I said, we, we established the price. We're going to pay for it over time, but I didn't have to give anything down. She said, well, what's the interest rate? I said, the interest rate is zero. We don't pay interest on this car. So I was able to go into a lot, drive off with a brand new car, without no money down and zero interest for four years. I paid off the car in two years. So, you know, she was very impressed that, you know, we didn't have to put any money out at the time. So that's only because when the guy was doing my credit, he was really, really, and he told me straight up, he says, I kind of mistook you. I said, everybody kind of makes, you know, they, 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 they don't read me because I don't look the part. And he said, you, you got the best deal out of everybody I've met today by getting no interest and zero down. So with property, you can get the same deals when you walk in the bank, because banks are eager to get people they can trust. These loan officers want to have good people on their sheets. And as you, you, know, you grow, you're going to be able to do big deals and get bankers who will be behind you 100% because they want to give you these loans knowing that you have a great score to back it up. All right, Sean, go ahead. So here's a question I always ask. You pull up on a corner, a guy pulls up with a Tesla and the other guy pulls up with a Honda. Who's paying the most money? Chris, Jack, who's paying the most money? The guy driving the Tesla or the guy driving the Honda? I think it's just a Tesla. Huh? He huh? said Tesla. Chris said Tesla. I said Brandon Tesla. 
2010 Honda. Who's paying the most money? I think it depends on the credit. Why do you say that? Because I mean, you can get that. You can be paying on that Honda for 20, 20 years. You can just be paying. You, you can be paying interest for to ten years before you can get to the payments. Jack, I've been teaching this course for five years. You're the first person to get it exactly right. Hey, it, 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 who says football guys don't know anything? It depends <laughs> on somebody's credit. It really does. Let me give you a yeah. perfect example. It's a true story. When I first moved to this country, I finally decided to uh, buy a car, lease a car, and I was looking at getting an actual, um, it was a Maxima. So I lived in Flatbush, Brooklyn, you know, in the 90s. That's considered the Black Caribbean neighborhood, the, AKA the hood. And I went there first, went to a couple of car, de car dealerships, and they were charging me like, at that time, it was like a 1998 Honda a Maxima, and they were charging me like, I don't remember, like, let's just say $500 a month. And I was like, okay, cool. It wasn't brand new. It was what I was looking for. You know, I was able to get the rims, everything I wanted. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, all right, this, this sounds good. And the dealership was right around the corner from where I was living. And at the time I was working at, um, I was working at Chase Bank. So there was a, in, in Manhattan. And so there was a Honda dealer. And I really just went in there just to look at the new ones, just to, you know, just to look. Nothing more than just to look at them and see what, you know, what the new ones look like. And um when I got there, I was like, you know, how much is this Honda? How much is this Maxima? And it was brand new. And he was like, you know, what's your credit? And I go, I have great credit. He goes, oh, with you, someone with great credit, you're probably looking at about $300 a month. Man, I almost fell to the floor. I was like, wait a second, brand new, $300 a month? But an older one in my hood, they're charging me $500 a month? I'm like, are you sure? He was like, yeah, $300 a month, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, there's gotta be some kind of scam. What's going on? I can't believe a new one is cheaper than buying an old one. So I went back to the dealership in Brooklyn, in Flatbush, and I was like, bro, I just came from the, the, the Nissan dealership and a brand new Maxima is $300 a month, but you're charging me $500 a month for old ass Maxima. And he was like, what's your credit? And I said, my credit is excellent. He said, this place is not for you. He said, this place is for, you know, people with not so good credit. And then I learned from that moment, like how, people, especially in our community, are taken advantage of because, hey, we want it. We know we love a car. We're desperate for it. And the terms that they don't even care that a new one is half the price of an old one. They don't even care because they know we're going to take it. And they know our credit sucks. And we're going to do whatever we can. And we're in a position of desperation. So when I tell you to fight to be part of that tier one when it comes to banks and lending and stuff like that, once you cut into that world, even with credit cards, that's why I love American Express. Once you access that world, like with American Express, you know, my, I'm going to talk about it later. My money works in three different ways. You know, when I go to the airport, I go in the lounge, I eat, drink, do all that. When I go to the, when I stay at hotels, I get free upgrades. You know, I, I'm going to California, all free on my kids. I just came back from Miami, all free because of the relationship I have with American Express. Because I fight to be part of those groups. Even though they don't want me, I push the envelope because I am protecting and keeping my money. My child's mother went to Miami for my birthday. She has no clue to this now, unless she listens to the show, that I didn't pay five cents to go on that whole weekend trip that she loved. Had she known, she'd probably be hitting me up for more. She'd be trying to tell me to do more. I had to keep it quiet that it the whole hotel, airfare, everything cost me nothing. So these are things you have to, as young men, you have to push to be part of that crew. You're already in a great position where you can be. You just got to leverage your position and stay there. Um, let's go to the next slide. So how do you, how do you, and I know you're probably going to get this, but how do you get there? Like if you, let's just say we, we so, so right now, is it just time? Like, is it just a time thing or? Are you talking about credit, building up your credit? Right. So 
you know, we have to form that discipline where like for me, I put everything on my credit card every month and then I pay it off in full every month. Mm-hmm. Then I'm aggressive, which cards I apply for. You know, I have American Express, because I think American Express, and I'm not trying to sell American Express, but they're a reputable company. And then I apply for certain cards. Like you have to, like cards, credit cards are a lifestyle. What cards so, do you have? So for me, I more leverage my credit cards for travel benefits, pre-COVID, you know, that I would use it to make sure that my game, I'm not paying for a plane ticket. I put, you know, all my business goes on my credit cards. So every month I'm spending like $30,000 a month minimum on my cards, 34 to 50. So I gain points. This is a, this is getting out of the mindset of cash is dead. Walking around with a pocket full of money is yesterday. <laughs> Please, I hope any of you guys aren't doing that. You know, you really just want to walk around with a credit card. If you guys, I have white friends, I go out, we go out to bars and restaurants and they're throwing their cards out quicker than anybody else can on the table because they want you to give them the cash and them to pay on their credit card because they know that they're earning points and rewards for using that card. And it's once again, gets back to building that relationship with your credit card. And once the banks see that you have certain credit cards, you're making certain payments on time. And those are the riskier things that we talked about earlier. You know, credit cards are revolving credit. They're not installment. And if you're making those payments on time, the bank is looking, okay, you're going to make a mortgage payment on time. We're going to give you access to this. And you as have far to as the cards, Sean, though, I think, you know, he wanted to try to get a feel for what cards would give the best benefits. And I think the American Express, um, their top tier card is about $550 a year annually. Then you get the Chase Reserve is a top tier card for Chase. And that's about four, $450 a year for the card. And with the card, he uses it to gain the points to travel. He uses it to go into hotels, also to get points for when he goes into the lounges. These are perks that make the card drop down to zero if you utilize the points. If you're not utilizing these points or you're not able to utilize the benefits, the card is not for you. The card is, the top tier cards are for people who are utilizing through their spending the benefits. For example, I'm, I'm a family man. So me, my wife, and my daughter travel we don't need the insurance from uh, for luggage. We don't need insurance if there's a cancellation or a delay. We're covered through the card. These cards benefit us if we go overseas and we get sick. They'll bring us back as part of the benefit in the card. So like another if- thing I'll add too is that, like for example, and the thing about it, what you have to understand, especially young people, you don't you don't owe anybody anything. You know, you don't you don't owe anybody. You're not married to these banks you're not married to these credit cards you know you kind of want to be like dating them and if they, they don't like if you don't like the terms you don't like who they are anymore then you move on like for example what jeff just said so there's a chase sapphire which is a high-end card came out they had a deal a hundred thousand points if you spend five thousand dollars then i spent five thousand dollars with my business in like a day so i applied for the card i earned a hundred thousand miles that alone could take me and my family on a trip so you're kind of always going to be out there looking for deals and finding out what works with your lifestyle. There's cars that just straight give cash back, which some people like. For every $100 they spend, they get 2 3% cash back, which is a good deal. If you're spending $100,000, getting that money back is good. Like, for example, a card that I had within America. So American Express, they have like four different cards. American Express had a promotion for a card I really never used. For every $500, they give me $25 back. So I've been spending on this card, which I never used. Anything over any purchase I have over five hundred dollars, I'm spend. I'm using that card to get that twenty five dollars back. 
you know, so you kind of have to figure out what works for you. But the key thing is you put everything on your card. You don't use cash anymore and you pay it off in full every month because that's allowing your money. We're going to talk about later to work in three different ways. What ways am I talking about? One, you're getting the item that you wanted to purchase. Two, you're building your relationship with the bank, with the lending institutions and credit. And three, you're increasing your credit score. This is all leveraging credit. You have to get into my, if you've just paid something with cash, all you're getting is that object and that's it. You're not getting anything else in return. Smart people do not pay with cash. They leverage that relationship. And every month you budget and you pay that off full. And it shows your responsibility. It helps your growth and it gives you more access to credit. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. So don't go anywhere. We're going to continue with more of our Two Black Guys with Good Credit NFL Financial Literacy Web Series class number two. So keep it right here. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. We are going to continue with, part, with class number two of our NFL financial literacy web series. So let's get into it. So you want to get out of the mindset of cash. Like, Chris, when you bought your building, I hope if you're doing any work, any renovations, you're paying anybody, you're paying them through your credit card so you can manage it, so you can expense it. You know, even my super, I pay, you know, I have it linked to my PayPal. So my PayPal has my credit card as one of the payment options. So I make sure I even have to PayPal somebody, I connect it to my credit card. I do not try to pay people or anything in cash. So I can expense it out and I can earn points on it. That keeps your money where it belongs. So hopefully, and if you time it right, by the time you get your rental income, you're paying your credit card. If your building brings you $5,000 a month, but you make, I don't know, $100,000 a month, your $100,000 stays to the left. <laughs> your whatever money you get from that building 
has to cover itself. And if it's not, that's what you've got to hustle and work towards. That's your hustle. And then you figure out, how do I grow that model out? This is a model that's worked for me. Like Jeff and I have different philosophy when it comes to building, but we exercise a model. You know, if this model in Orlando is working for you, how do I grow that model out? How do I leverage this building that I bought? I made a few payments on time. I'm showing that this, this business works. Then you get aggressive, find another building, show the bank what you're doing, how it's working. Show them that you wanna buy another building. Show them you wanna acquire more units. And if you can't handle it, you find a property manager that will handle it for you. But you grow yourself out from what you're learning along the way. You know, Blake, same thing goes for you. Same goes for you, Jack. You leverage what you're learning and you grow it out. You be aggressive with it. Um, so factors that gonna... determine a credit score. We talked yes. about this, your payment history. You know, that 35% or so determines what your credit score is going to be. The amount you owe, credit utilization ratio, less than 30%. So if you don't want to show your cards at max all the time, because once again, it shows that D word that you're desperate and you're just living off your credit month to month. You want to show a little cushion every month. And the, the, the general consensus is you want to have at least 30% available credit. So if your credit limit is $1,000, you don't really want it to go above $700. If it's $100,000, you don't really want to go about $70,000. And I've seen my credit score affected you know, there's the odd months where, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm tapped out. I'm going deep in something, investing something, I'm tapped out. And, but I know I'm aware of that. And, you know, there's times where your credit score is going to be affected, but you have to weigh the, co the cost versus reward. Like some people will like try to be stringent and stringent and never fall outside certain parameters. But I'm not that person to tell you that because you may have a deal that you need to get involved in and you may have to stretch yourself a little. But then you got to fight to get yourself back to where you were. And know that during that short period of time, my credit is not good right now because I'm exposed, but I'm working to get back where I need to be so I can get back to where I need, where I, where I need to be. And then the credit history, like, like you asked the question, Blake or Jack, I think, you know, what does it take? It really takes credit history. Like no matter if you did all your payments, good, good, good right now, you're not going to get to 850 until like a few years down the road because mm. you have to show history. And then you want to have a good credit mix. You want to show that you can handle different types of loans. You can handle an open loan, a revolving loan, um, an installment loan, an auto loan, a mortgage. You want to show that you have a good mix and you'll be able to meet all those risks because banks do not take risk. They want, to sh they want to see that you've been able to handle different types of credit terms and you've been able to meet those commitments. Um, then there's inquiries. They're called hard versus soft inquiries. So soft inquiry is like this, this credit card offer that I showed you. Somebody looked up my credit score. So banks, companies like Home Depot, Lowe's, American Express, MasterCard, Visa, they pay the credit bureaus that I talked to you about, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. They buy lists from them. They'll say, give me everybody that lives in Minnesota, zip code 00128 with credit scores between 300 and six, and between 700 and 800. Give me the list of all those people because we want to send them credit card offers. And they'll pay for that list. <clears throat> and then they'll send you a credit card offer. So this is what it's called. They check your credit score. That's soft inquiry. It does not affect your credit score. A hard inquiry would affect your credit score when you are going to seek credit, when you're applying for mortgages, when you're applying for loans. That affects your credit score. That's called a hard inquiry. And they say, you know, depending on how many places you apply, <clears throat> could drop your score. Now, for me, when I'm aggressive looking for real estate, looking for mortgages, 
I know that there's a potential my credit card could drop if I'm looking at multiple places to get a loan, but I'm willing to take that, take that on to get a better rate. And that's a question you have to ask. But what I do, nobody runs my credit until I'm ready to strike the deal. I'll tell you what my credit score is. I'll give you a printout of my credit report. But until we have, have some kind of commitment is when I say, go ahead and run my credit score because I don't want you pulling it too many times and messing up my score. And if anybody's telling you that they got to pull your credit score right away and it's a deal breaker, then walk away from that deal. If you're so telling what, you- them what your score is, you're telling them what everything is, when they have come to what they think they can do for you, then is when you say, okay, you can run my credit. And you're comfortable with that deal. That is when you tell them to pull your credit. Go ahead, Jeff. So, you want to do something? so, so what are you, um, what are you using to get that real time view of your credit score or proof of your credit score? I, before I may pull, but you can go to, you, you get your, by law, you can get your credit score like twice a year. You can get it pulled for free. So mm-hmm. I go to freecreditreport.com. I can go through my credit cards or link. That's another perk of some credit cards. They offer your credit report. I'll pull it from there. And I'll give them an idea of what it is. Like my best tenants that I choose, I love the tenants that have the prepackaged. <laughs> There's tenants I've had where they have, you know, I don't know if you've experienced CJ, where they have their credit report already printed out for you. They have an app, they already have their, you know, um, referrals already fit, written out for you. They have everything laid out for you in a folder. Like here's my, here's my, here's my application. I still back check to make sure everything's correct, but you can come with the same kind of package. You can make multiple copies of your credit report and say, yeah. I know it's June or May, and I pulled my credit report in March. Nothing has changed since then. Here's kind of an idea of what it is. You know what? You can also look at Credit Karma and get an idea of what your score is. It's a very yeah. close score. You can also join Experian, and they'll give you the score. You Banks now give you a score. And um, another another safe safeguard you have to also look at doing is Credit Freeze. It's a free service. It doesn't cost you anything. That protects your credit score. So whenever you want people not to be able to just, you know, go into your, your score, you can freeze it and it protects you from people and open up credit cards because you're, they just can't walk in and, you know, look at your score. And it, you can you go to Experian, you can go to Equifax, and you can go to, um, you know, the, the major three and you can get a credit freeze. I use credit freeze for when I'm pretty much not signing up for any cards. So when I do sign up, I unfreeze it for about maybe uh, a month, 30 days, sometimes 60 days, and I put a date when it goes back to being frozen. So these are the things that are gonna help you as you go forward with your score to strengthen it. And you know whether you know it's the credit history, the amount owed, the length of history, the credit mix, or the inquiries, you have to be able to look at all of these and don't let something small or insignificant mess up your score like uh, you know uh, you know overdraft too many overdrafts on your on your account and you just you had the money but you just never transferred it into the account and then they report that so these are little things sometimes we get lazy or we don't think it's important and these small things can just put things in our credit will that will that be on the the report if i pull a report like you say you can pull twice twice a year yeah will that be on that report yeah, it'll show everything. What, show the overdrafts? Stables. Yeah. Will it be that detailed? We can go through a credit report. No, it, 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 no, it won't be on that report. Anything over 30 days won't be on that report. It'll oh, show anything that's 30 days late. As far as like the freeze, so you keep your, your credit frozen like most of the time, you would say? Yeah, here's the thing you got to do as well. Like 
and I don't want to encourage it, but your credit report only reports things that are 30 days late and more. So if you pay something 14 or 17 or up to 28 days late, it doesn't get a report to the credit bureau. But here's the big but. The big but is wherever you borrow that money from, wherever you have that credit from, they're allowed to charge you interest, late fees, all kinds of fees because you made the payment late. So it won't affect your credit score, but you'll be paying for it in other ways. You're allowed, any, the credit report only reports things 30 days and over. But you're gonna be hit with a lot of fees. So I don't suggest it, but just to know that if you're a day or a week late, your credit score is not gonna be affected. Yeah, so the credit freeze is something I utilize if I'm not signing up for new cards. So I recently had an inquiry through Zoom to, um, you know, for an apartment and they already did the application. Now, for me to look at the application, Zoom has to verify my identity and they wanted to do a check on me and they couldn't because my account was frozen. But they said, you have to look at your account because we're not able to do the check on you. And I, I just said, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm freezing it for an applicant. So you look at my credit and I'm, I, ref, I neglected to use this tenant's application because I didn't want to unfreeze my account. The account and plus the apartment was already taken. So these are the things that give you the power to who can peek in your, your score. And, you know, you can build your score. And when you're ready to get more cards, or as the ones Sean's talking about, you unfreeze it and you'll, you'll definitely get, you know, cards. Once you apply, your name goes out there and all these other companies will start sending you offers knowing that, you know, you're, you're someone they want on their, on, their, on their side. And that's just about the way the, the game is played. How are you guys doing for time? I've got two more slides to go. Are you guys, are you guys short on time? I'm good. Okay. You good? You guys good? All right, I'm let's good. go to the next slide. Okay, so there's sometimes could be, and most times there's always a difference between credit scores between the three bureaus, TransUnion, Experian, and Equifax. And why that's happening in most cases, if everything is fine, is that it's a constant feed. So Chase Bank has sends their feed to TransUnion on a specific date. Experian sends their feed on a certain date, gets their feed on a certain date. Equifax gets their feed on a certain date. If you have a Home Depot card, they send their feeds out certain dates. So because of that, where it's not all one-to-one, it could cause your scores to, to report different on the three different bureaus because they, they're independent companies. They don't work together. It's like McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's. They're three individual companies that make their own burgers, right? So they're just collecting different feeds from, from all these different companies and banks and lending institutions. And what a time is it, it could report different types of scores. So if you see your score like this, 717, 717, 706, doesn't mean something is wrong. It just means they're just reporting at different times. But let's say, for example, TransUnion said 600 and Experian said 706 and Equifax said 717. What would that, what, what message is that saying to you? Somebody got it wrong. Well, who has it wrong? One is 600. Experience saying 716 and Equifax saying 717. Who has it wrong? The lowest one. Correct. Correct. So what's your job at that point? To hire somebody to fix it? What's your job? Got to figure out. Got to. No. Got to figure out how to make it right. Right. So how do we do that? How do you got to contact, you got to contact the, the bureau that has it wrong. 
Well, you pull the report that they have, you pull the TransUnion credit report, you look at it, you compare it to Experian and Equifax. First, mm -hmm. you look at it yourself and see if there's anything that pops out. You know, it could be they have the pulling information from the wrong person. There's more than one dog named Bob. Somebody's middle name could throw off a credit report. So you want to pull TransUnion's report and just look at it and see, you know, what is it saying? Is everything on it true? Then you may want to compare it to Experian and Equifax and see where the difference is. Like my friend's mom, when she was applying for a house, she was like, she's a customs officer. And she got, um, she had an injury or something like that. And she had to call an ambulance. And basically the ambulance, they sent her a bill, but she should have been covered because she had insurance being a customs officer. And she never took it seriously. And they charged her for it and they, it affected her credit. And her credit score dropped. And this is like really a week before we were about to close on this property. And I was like, listen, the best thing for us to do right now is to push back the closing. Let's get this right. Because it was a difference of a hundred something dollars a month payment that she was paying. I was like, it's not worth it. So we basically had to call the, uh, the hospital, send them over her insurance to show that she had insurance at the time so they can remove it from her credit. And, you know, she was one of them stubborn ladies that just didn't understand why she's getting this when she has insurance. But it was a, it was a simple fix of just showing them proof of insurance. And then her credit score jumped back up within a month. <coughs> so <coughs> you have to know, excuse me, <coughs> your credit score is reported from three different bureaus. And some banks may only look at the Equifax score. Some may only look at TransUnion. Some look at all three. Some take the average of all three. Some take the middle score. Every bank looks at it differently. And they're allowed to. <coughs> you guys with me? Sorry, I've had a cold all I'm surprised I lasted this long. <coughs> you guys with me? Yep. Okay, let's go to the last slide. <coughs> So part of the point of this is understanding that hopefully by now you understand that cash is dead. Credit is where you should be looking and you should be leveraging. Credit cards are short-term financing that can be as less than 30 days. You know, I give an example of a student that I knew that he would go to um, the dollar store, take pictures of what's there, Put this stuff on ebay when people purchased it side of the purchase he would then go to the store put it on his credit card and send out the items and then get the money back before his credit card payment is due so how much was it costing him to run that business nothing nothing whose money was he using people that were uh, paying for the stuff People that were paying for this stuff. All he had to do is make sure he got the money within the time that the credit card payment was due. And when it's on the top is his, right? And that's the same mindset with me. Like I said, all my mortgage payments are due after I collect rent. Like I'm in hustle mode at the beginning of the month because I'm in about, and look, Jeff's shaking his head in the same way. Like as landlords, the first seven days is like, it's on. Like it's on. I just sent an email to a tenant in Barbados that I have. And I know he's trying to play me. He's trying to stretch his rent payment. I told him, listen, if the rent is not in by Wednesday, which is tomorrow, my guy will be there by Friday and change the locks. Like I give you enough 30 days. Like after that, I don't care if your cousin, friend, mom, dad, pop, you got to find somewhere else to live. It's a business. Uh, so, Sean, I, wanna, I just want to add something really important. So far, we've been sharing with you the pros of credit, the good things of credit. And just as a warning, we want you not to fall into the other side of credit. 
Credit is like a snake. Have you ever seen these snake charmers in India? They're playing the instrument and the snake comes up and everybody's watching the snake and they're in awe. But that snake can bite you if you play with it too much. You, know, you play with it the wrong way. So credit card companies know that and they want you to get into the trap of credit. Our class is about staying away from and avoiding the traps of credit. And uh, people of color, man, we fall into the traps every day of the week, whether it's through payday loans, renter centers, credit cards, or just mismanaging the mortgages that we have and not really thinking, hey, I should be buying something that's paying this debt for me instead of me working a zillion hours paying off this debt myself. So that's a little COVID, a little warning, you know, a little, you know, you know, the con of the pros to give you about credit and the dangers of it because black women right now have the highest, the highest school college loan debt. You know, they're trapped. They come out of school and they're praying their job can cover them for the, the level of debt they carry. So our class is here to not just tell you that credit cards can help you, but to share with you how they can help you as along with the dangers that you have to avoid and be cognitive of as you go forward, you know, because this is going to be a credit society. Cash is, cash is going to disappear and, and it's disappearing as fast as we can speak right now. I don't really use cash often and I don't worry if I lose my wallet, I can always get my cards back. One, two, three. If I lose my cash and it's gone. So I don't really, you know, carry as much cash with, with me anymore. Yeah, right, it's so. an extra protection plan. It's true. Like, you know, I have a dishwasher. My dishwashers go, I don't know, every once, every two years. And almost every two years, I'm using my purchase protection with my credit card on them to get a free dishwasher, get the money back on a credit. It's like every two years because your credit card, I have a 24-month purchase protection. So anything happens within 24 months, I can get my money back. And I'm always using it every two years for a new dishwasher because the dishwasher just goes all the time. So these are things where, you know, you leverage credit. Like Jeff says, if I lose my credit card, I just make a call and they freeze everything. If there's something erroneous on my card, I can get it removed. But with cash, you lose cash, you're out. Um, and it's really needed like in relationship building to really understand and, you know, how to leverage and use credit. And I know Jeff mentioned also too with credit card annual fee versus no fee. And to be honest with you, like the best cards I've had are the ones that charge a fee, but you really have to find a card that works for you. You know, the no fee cards doesn't mean that they're necessarily good. They've got some of the limited, limited terms, limited, limited access to certain things that you may find that will work for you, you know, limited access to capital as well. So it's, you know, a card, a credit card is a personal choice um, and really figuring out what you need. And it's, it's changed for me when I was younger in college, it was more of a cashback thing when I was, got a little bit older, it was to get certain items. And now it's really just building up my points for traveling with my family, you know, and it's building that credit. So does anybody have any questions? I do. As, as far as like uh, something that goes to collections or like a ding, um, how long does that normally stay on? And is there anything you can do about that? Um, well, I'll answer. I think it's a multiple questions you asked. The first question I say, like, it depends, like bankruptcy, generally they stay on for seven years, but you can build back within that time. And I would say if you're bleeding, it's better to cut the cut, cut it by the neck now and keep moving forward because you have time to make up. I know plenty of people that had write-offs and have great credit scores now, but you have to really get to that discipline point. 
sometimes like trying to make good on something and it's drowning you with other things may not be worth it. And that's something you have to ask yourself, where am I? How realistic it is to pay it off? But if it's realistic that you can pay it off in full, to pay it, that you can pay it off, then I suggest pay it off. But if it's something that's drowning you, then it's better to cut it off now and move forward and move past it. It may be a short period of time where you're going to be hurt, but you can recover. What do you mean by cut it off? Like if you have a really drowning debt that's like choking you, stressing you out, and you feel like you have to do a write-off or you mm -hmm. have to file chapter seven or some kind of bankruptcy. You know, I've done many shows on bankruptcy and people use it like, you know, our, our former president filed bankruptcy. People use it as a tool. Mm -hmm. It's a reset, you know, and if you need that reset, I'm not here to tell you not to use it to your advantage, but understand there's going to be ramifications of using that reset. And most people that are smart with their investors, they'll have them under LLCs or, or corporations. And this is when you build up your reputation too. Like, for example, the, one of the buildings I've had, I've had it for 20 years. It can stand on its own now when it comes to credit. I could have its own credit card. It has its own credit history. So if for some reason I experienced hardship, I couldn't make payments on that mortgage with that LLC, it's not going to affect Sean Linda. It's just going to affect that investment because mm -hmm. that is standing on its own two feet now. So you want to reposition yourself too. Like it's about exposure as well. You just bought your building and it's, in uh, Orlando, you want to get to the point where a lot of your buildings are coming under its own LLC, its own corporation, so that they can stand on their own feet. So you're protected. That's what you hear a lot of guys like Donald Trump. Oh, he went bankrupt. He filed bankruptcy. He didn't file personal bankruptcy. He filed corporate bankruptcy. It's a different type of bankruptcy he's filing. So he's still standing strong and his corporations have, will have failed. But don't let bankruptcy or filing or doing a write-up make you think you're less of a person or make you think you can't recover because you can't, but I'm not encouraging that as your first option, but it should only be an option. If you feel like this situation is really drowning you and preventing your growth. Does that make sense? I hope I answered it. Yeah. Also, if you have a, if you have a hard pull on your score because somebody looked at it, that could stay on your record for up to uh, two years. So, you know, you, you want to be cognitive of when people look at your score mm -hmm. and that's not, a, a, that doesn't really drag you that much, but, you know, um, you know, sometimes it could be 12 months, but it can be up to 24 months that could be on your score that they pulled this, a hard pull on your score. So you always want to try to get a soft pull if you can. Yeah. And also, you know, like I said, if you're going into a deal or a situation, you know, you can talk through it too. Like if you know something's on your credit report that is hurting you and you're applying for something, talk your way through it. Tell them the reason why. Tell them what happened. Tell them what look and show focus on the things that are going right, that you're doing right. And not everybody's going to say yes, but it's all in the pitch. You know, like you can still upsell yourself right. in a situation and don't feel like, you know, it's game over. And don't close out old cards that you have, thinking that, oh, I don't use this card. I'm going to get new ones. I'll close these out. That will also um, tend to uh, hurt your history. So if you have an old card, you have all that old history. you got to cherish that card. So if you're not using it, buy a stick of gum with it. Use it for chump change expenses every now and then. And just keep the card alive by buying little inexpensive items and then put it in a drawer for a couple of months after that. Yeah, never, never, your credit unless, history. Yeah, you want to protect the your longer history. your credit history, the better your score could be. Yeah, so that's important right there. Yeah, Any other questions? That.
about as far as like closing out cards and stuff. So I can't hear you, Chris. That. So I was just about to ask that as far as like closing out cards. So that, that helped. Not yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Let me explain to you why in a nutshell. So let's let's give uh, an example. So let's just say you have three credit cards, all right? And one of the credit cards, they all have a thousand dollar limits on them. Okay, let's keep the math simple. And on one card, you spent five hundred dollars. On another card, you spent five hundred dollars. And the other card is zero. So how much is your total spend on all three cards together? A thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And then how much is your available credit on all three? Three thousand. Three thousand. So divide a thousand into three thousand. What do you get? We do the math. It's 33%. So you've only used up 33% of the available cash, right? Of the available credit, right? right? You with yeah. me? You with me? Yeah. Okay, so now let's just say the one that has a zero balance on it, that's the one you want to close out because you never use it. It's just sitting there. So close out that card and you kept those two same balance now. So now you have a credit limit of how much? 2000 2000 and how much of that credit have you used up half of half the 50% correct yeah. so from the bank's perspective where does a person that looks more desperate the one with three cards now or the one with two cards even though it's the same um, you've used the same amount of credit up who looks more desperate two cards two cards so that's the reason why you never really close out the cards if you have to because it shows you have this available credit and you don't need to, you're not accessing your utilization rate stays lower So and getting back to what Jeff said, if some of them, you know, you want to use every now and then to keep them active, you do that. I have cards that stay in this black folder I have. I never use them, you know. And But then it comes to the question, too, if there's some cards that charge an annual fee, you don't want to pay an, I don't believe in paying an annual fee just to keep your credit line open. So what you can do, you can downgrade your card. Every bank will have a card that charges a fee, and there'll be, there's no fee card. So if you want, you can, like, like I closed, I had, like, a, a this black card from MasterCard that I, had it was a really travel-based card because of COVID. I wasn't traveling a lot anymore. The card was like six hundred dollars a month, a year, sorry. So I, I I downgraded it to like not the black card, one of their silver cards, where I still have the same twenty thousand dollar credit limit, but I don't pay an annual fee because I don't want to lose use that I lose that available credit that I have to lower my credit score. So you can always downgrade your card as well, which I do all the time. You have, you have also, you have cards that you can utilize, for example, um, instead of buying phone insurance, a lot of people buy phone insurance in case their phone cracks to get it replaced or repaired. Um, there's credit cards that cover you for your car, uh, for your phone, okay? Uh, and, you know, you, you, you drop your phone, the screen cracks, you pay $100, $125 to get it fixed, you send the bill to the credit card companies, they reimburse you. So, and some of these cards have no fee. All you got to do is apply for the card. So that's one of the cards I bought, or at least my wife and I had gotten. Um, we, we carry cards that, even though we only utilize like three cards out of the, like the 12 cards we have. And, but you know, you, you have cards that really have some sort of purpose, whether it's hotel cards or basic travel cards. My, my favorite card right now is the Chase Sapphire Reserve um, because they have what's called a trifecta. I have the business chase card for my company and I have a, uh, a regular chase card that all three cards, I can transfer all points from all cards into one card 
And when I travel, the, the points get boosted 50% higher. So now, you know, I'm getting a lot more for my money and it really comes in handy being that I'm here in Brooklyn and my wife is in Florida helping out her mom because I'm going back and forth and not having to pay for airfare really helps out a lot. Yeah, somebody asked what specific cards I have. I have the American Express Platinum card. I have the American Express Gold card. I have, um, I have the JetBlue card just because I, I travel a lot on JetBlue. And then I have uh, MasterCard, the Barclays card, and I just got the Chase Sapphire card. Anybody else have any questions? Do you guys think it'll be helpful next week to go through an actual credit report? It's a little yes. tedious, but we can go through it if you guys want next week. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see one. And you said I can pull mine at freecreditreport.com. Correct. Correct. All right. And so that would that count as a would that count as a, a inquiry? No, you're allowed two free report pulls every year. Okay. All right. I think we're good. I know it's a lot to take in. I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.